0: This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoyne. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus. Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. Talk Catholic with Tim Kilcoin. It is first Saturday, thus our interview. And it's part three with John Henry Weston of LifeSite News. Let's pick it up where John was talking about the radical concept of Christians doing business with one another for the kingdom. And we'll get back to our book review in the second part on marriage with Father William Casey.
1: Here we go. Catholics have got to overcome something. Evangelicals are amazing at this. They actually are very biblical in that they regard their brothers in Christ mm-hmm. as the most trustworthy people with whom they should do business. Yes. So they actually. Support one another in the actual business world. Yes. They don't actually divorce their common lives from the church. That's lives. it. It's not like, yeah, those are the guys they go to church with. No. Yeah. Those are the guys they go to church with and with whom I do business. Yeah. Those are the contracts that I give out from my company to theirs. Those those are the guys I send my kids to work for. Exactly. And see, it's actually incredible, and they promote one another. I know.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: it's like, a, it's like the vineyard, truly. Well, like, no, it's true, and it works for society because they yep. know they're not doing it only for their own good, yep. which it works for anyway, but they're doing it for the good of society because Christ the King is Lord of history, and it's only and only and only when we get that right that society will flourish. There is no flourishing outside of Christ. I know. It's, he's not your king then the devil will be exactly we'll go into the chaos we're living in today
0: you know i'm thinking of that app is it called public square you know steve bannon has referred to it on his show more than often and i was thinking you know we, we we need an app like catholic public square Something like, you know, <laughs> yeah. exactly for what a kind of a public forum of people that are in the workplace and, you know, they want to do business with Catholics, uh, preferably uh, not to discriminate against anybody. But we want to develop kind of like what Ave Maria did right down in Naples, you know, developing a little yeah. town, that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. You know, you have the beauty of it. I mean, if you, as a family man, I can tell you, can you imagine if you live in a community where your close friends, all have kids like you do mm. and there's enough of them around so your kids are engaging in good healthy relationships where they're encouraged not discouraged encouraged yeah. to practice the faith
0: yeah.
1: to go to daily mass to say the daily rosary when your son or daughter goes to play with his friend comes home and says yeah Dad, i already said my rosary with my friend mm. we're still going to say the family rosary yeah okay fine but yeah. you know yeah it's like, Wow, there is a beauty out there that when there's no community, we miss as Catholics. And Protestants uh, often think sometimes, you know, when the Protestant Revolution happened, Mm. they lost the sacraments. They lost so much. Did we lose community at that time? Mm. I don't know the answer to that because I didn't live. I I understand because there's certain Catholic communities that still have community. So have, like, you know. But to a large extent, that's missing, and it needs oh, yeah. to be built up.
0: I often explain it as word got separated from sacrament you know, at that time, and we're still trying to capture elements of what were authentically Catholic from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Romero, for instance, uh, should be the ultimate prototype of a priest. Okay, mm-hmm. Why not? Okay, uh, But you're absolutely right. It's coming from community, which is what? the some, you know, combination of families, which is exactly where the vocations are gonna come from. So it's if there's anything that distinguishes us as Catholic, it is this uh, very sacramentally communal nature of our faith. And it, there cannot be that disconnect. Even of our World War II generation, you know, my parents were of that generation, but, uh, and, and they were wonderful in their own right, uh, but they definitely had that kind of disconnect of the Monday to Friday, nine to five, from, you know, all the devotions, et cetera, around that and uh, sanctify the secular. Absolutely, let's take it seriously. This is where Vatican II actually said a lot of good stuff that we never implemented.
1: <laughs> exactly, and one of, the, one of the big things that our parents, for the most of that, that generation, they actually had one downfall apart from the church that has them in a big way and mm. that is the media yeah they trusted the media and they still do to a large extent yeah and it's so sad to see because they unfortunately they were and are not only misleading they're intentionally providing disinformation yes yeah it's and it's so i mean it's so deplorable just that horrific shooting in tennessee yeah. i kid you not i was with a, a family member yesterday mm. who told me did you see the shooting? Oh my gosh, it's so horrible. They have guns in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Blowing. Oh, we got to crack down on the guns. And I was like, wow. Wait wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, what, what's this? Not, and I then went on to the CBC, which is the national television uh, and national news in Canada. Yep. I went on to ABC, ABC in the United States, and CBS. Yep. And I read the report. Do you know none of those mentioned that this individual was trans and the first time i actually saw them misgendering someone because yeah. lo and behold the pronouns of this person who was the shooter are he him yeah. and yet they were all calling her her it's yeah. so, unbelievable they yeah. will bend their own rule yeah in order to avoid because oh of course they were happy to tell the story about how a christian who was at a christian school but mm. f- went and shot up the school mm. you know and so it's a story about a, a radical Christian. In fact, what is it? It was the opposite. It was yeah, someone who went to the Christian school and became trans, and then had a vendetta against Christians and went to shoot up the school. Can you imagine what yeah. the coverage would have been like? Oh my goodness! This
0: was a Christian going to shoot up a trans student of elementary school. I know. I you know the media is yeah. just a Goliath. There's no question, uh, it, you know. And, and back in the relative to our the, uh, our parents, or you know, World War 2 etc. generation, at least you'd still have the moral compass intact. And so when you, when you yeah. turned on these major networks, you you weren't getting a complete uh, wacky and bizarre interpretation. Uh, it's it's just evil coming at you at this point. It's like escalated uh, on steroids. I was just listening to Father Repugger uh, on a particular video. Uh, he very much highlights the curse of Eve and the curse of Adam and Mm. everything in the church reflects the domestic church okay so what's wrong with us what's wrong in family life and we see it across the board and just way too many places the silence of uh, I forget the priest that said where was Adam when he was biting the apple he was right next to her with his head down (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, uh, yeah. the, this shirking of spiritual responsibility to teach and protect that is the man, the father of the household, the husband. And when these atrocities took place, let's say starting in 1962 when prayer bounced out of the school, when there was no national consensus for that whatsoever, was the outcry just a couple of months afterwards and then we accepted it? And then abortion on demand in 73 was the outcry for six or seven months after that and then we kind of accepted it and went silent? Yeah. And then that escalates the 2015 ruling on marriage. I mean, yeah. it, it it seems to constantly go back to this shirking of responsibility on the the male's part, whether he be a bishop or a father of a household, to teach and teach well. I, I was just, I'm doing a book review right now using Father William Casey's book, You Shall Stand Firm. <laughs> oh, God bless him. You know, he's saying he just goes off on the Pollyanna sermons, okay, that we have been subjected to, and that includes seventeen-year-olds. I spent a lot of time in in high school prep school teaching, and when I think of how we have so shortchanged our young people who are always up for a fight. I mean, if there's any litmus test for what if, whether we're doing anything well or not, it's the seventeen-year-old because he or she's going to sniff out a phony in two point three seconds, and yeah. you know, give them something to fight for. Let them know what it is. It that in the culture you could tell your 17 year olds, get down to the local state house, get things going down there, raise it up. And yet, it, it,
1: if, it go the, ahead. No, if only they could have done that. I mean, we needed that so badly. It reminds me of something. Do you remember uh, Fulton J. Sheen's famous quote about who's going to save the church? He said, It's not our bishop, it's not our priests, and it's not the religion. It's up to you, the people, mm. the mind, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Your mission is to see the priests act like priests. Yeah. Your bishops act like bishops, and the religious act like religious. That's why I made the point about lobbying the bishops, lobbying your priests. Because here, I mean, I'll give you an example of, I mean, maybe many people don't know. You know that Canada legalized same-sex marriage before the United States. And not only that, even before Massachusetts. Mm. And it was the Canadian activists that went and taught the the LGBT activists in Massachusetts about how to pass it. Mm. Well, it was interesting. Which is
0: where I'm from originally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in 2004, the Canadian bishops decided for the first time to have a, a debate about same-sex marriage because they knew it was going to pass. Okay. So they, they held a consultation with uh, media people, with uh, doctors, lawyers, PR people, mm. and uh, just to see what they should do. Because okay. They knew this was coming, and so I was invited to that with Steve Jelfandek, like my co-founder, and there was a whole, you know, there was about a dozen people in the bishop's rep to Mm. take the information back to the bishop. And I spoke first, we had been publishing on this issue for already a decade. Okay. And, or nearly a decade. And we were actually on all of the homosexual lists, like all of their own internal communication lists, so that we could find out what they were doing. (laughs) Okay. And we we realized, homosexual actors, they wanted nothing to do with marriage. They were making fun of it, saying, uh, not monogamous, hello, hello, hello. Yeah. But... The leaders among the activists basically said look we need this for societal acceptance now it's a societal acceptance of homosexual sex mm-hmm. because that's they'd already distance themselves from the pedophile community and blah mm-hmm. blah that they that had always historically been related to but anyway so i told the bishops I, I the bishop's representative i said look there's one thing you need to do and that is speak about the issue this has Zero, absolutely nothing to do with marriage. Right. It has all to do with homosexual sex, and yeah. we have a great argument to make because their argument at the time was all about love. It's all about love. How come these two guys love one another? Mm. They get married, you know. And they'd even tell the Christian, "Aren't you about love? Isn't your God all about <laughs> love? You say your God is love. Yeah. So why not you? Why are you against love?" And I said, "We have the perfect answer. The perfect answer is, of course, we love." we love enough to tell them that this behavior harms them exactly. you know what exactly. all of the scientific community knows it harms them and they're not saying that no, I know. they don't love I know and so we love enough to tell them that and so and we can then evangelize you're you're the bishop and priest, you can say, "Hey, we believe in eternal life, and we want you there." You LGBT inclined yep. brothers and sisters of mine, yep. we love you enough to tell you it's harmful for you, and we want to see you in heaven with us. Please don't do that. It's a loving, kind message.
0: Yeah, Archbishop Fulton J. shane simply made the comment to the effect that uh, if people knew the teachings of the Catholic faith, everybody be Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this we have to speak truth to evil. It is as simple as that, which means we have to speak about the teachings of the church relative to the Ten Commandments, which are pretty much chucked out the window in the post-Vatican two days. We just aren't hearing it relative to one through ten and all the offshoots of those commandments. And I'm telling you, as a former high school teacher of many years, they're waiting for it. It's like I used to have the rambunctious 17-year-old in my class say, Mr. Gilcoin, where do you get all this stuff? And he says, well, it's in a, it's in a book called The Catechism of the Catholic Church, but, but, the, <laughs> but the religious order of this school will buy it for you as they do the Bible, okay? So, you know, oh, yeah, they'll give you the Bible and then let you make your own interpretation, yeah. i.e., we've gone Protestant. But they won't yeah. focus on the Catechism of the Catholic Church. For decades, it was referred to, John, as you probably know, as a resource. yeah john i i just bought a bunch of catechisms of father francis sparago on the endorsement of father ripperger as being one of the greatest catechisms ever written And, and and my point is is that 1921 copyright and it's okay (laughs) <laughs> it's it's okay 1921 right it's unchanging ladies and gentlemen I, you know i always make the comment yes our delivery needed to change and that was very much the cry of vatican II. why do we even have it in the first place it was a triumphal attitude of arrogance we've got it you don't yeah that had to go the delivery yes has to accommodate to the culture using the language of the people etc to figure out how to communicate but it doesn't change the kernel of the teachings of our church. Therefore, the primary focus in many respects, not to diminish Holy Mother uh, Scripture at all, but is to highlight the, the magisterial succinct document called the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And this is like anathema in church circles, at least where I live. I
1: don't know about you. <laughs> no, no, you get some, we've got teachers at Catholic schools fired for referencing the Catechism. Wow.
0: Unbelievable. But believable, and we'll hear more a month from now, John. Part four. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. When we come back, we'll continue on with our book review, You Shall Stand Firm. Little patriotic break this Independence Weekend. As we celebrate America, the greatest nation of all time love her with that godly love yes patriotism is a virtue under god here's the man to speak from the heart like no one else the late great ray charles and you know
2: when i was a little boy i remember we always sang these words oh beautiful far spacious sky. For amber waves of rain For a purple mountain's majesty Shedding the
0: Okay, in our last session with Father William Casey of the Fathers of Mercy in the chapter, what do you know about marriage? A couple of scripture quotations he cites kind of sum up where we left off. Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Haughty eyes, i.e. The cocky proud. A lying tongue speaks for itself. Hands that shed innocent blood. Okay, murder of innocent life as opposed to a justification for war under certain circumstances. And let's not forget capital punishment, which is still part of Catholic tradition, contrary to certain rumor. A heart that plots wicked schemes. These undercover people that go covert, you think they're on your side, but they're always scheming to kind of oust you. Did you ever wonder why in large corporations the staff seems to turn over constantly? A heart that plots wicked schemes, yes indeed. Feet that are quick to run to evil. How about the company men amongst us? You know, when the times get tough, these tough don't get going. They just cower and run to the other side that doesn't require much. The easier way. The false witness who utters lies. Slander. Is this the rule of the day in politics? And the one who sows discord amongst kindred, troublemakers, and that can be within family life. This is referring to the person who deliberately, in a premeditating sort of way, is trying to divide the family to get some members on their side, that kind of thing, it's wicked. Often one spouse, when they're trying to get their way, will try to use the children as pawns. And then he says, uh, referring to another scripture passage, Malachi uh, chapter two, verse 13 to 16, he's referring to marriage now and divorce. He says, the altar of the Lord you cover with tears, weeping and groaning, because the Lord no longer takes note of your offering or accepts it favorably from your hand. Why? Because the Lord is witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have broken faith, though she is your companion, your covenanted wife. Did he not make them one, one with flesh and spirit? And what does the one require? Godly offspring. You should be on guard then for your life, and do not break faith with the wife of your youth for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. So this is, what is it, a 50 percentile statistic right now that end up in divorce? I was sitting in on a homiletics class in a seminary once, and the seminarians were supposed to be giving a sermon on marriage, and they were virtually told to say nothing. And I raised my hand, and I said, well, Father, don't you think this would be a good time to offer some practical tidbits about how not to become a 50% statistic, and that professor was ready to lead me right out the door. That's how bad things are, okay, in the deep church, that church that doesn't want to lead. And it's on the concept of marriage itself. How many sermons have we even heard on this subject? Because it's the following scripture that everybody likes to skip over, and that is the letter to Ephesians Apostle Paul wrote, Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, he himself the Savior of the body. As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So also, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hates his own flesh, but rather nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He says, I want to make a couple of quick points about Ephesians chapter 5. So listen carefully, because again, this is probably the number one most omitted scripture in our time, and thus why we're in such a mess sexually. He says, this is God's plan for marriage and the proper relationship between husband and wife as it relates to the relationship between Christ and his church. Here is another one of those hard sayings, but wives, please have the humility to accept the fact that God calls husbands and fathers to be the head of their households and the head of their families. They are first in the order of authority, so please do not try to take that responsibility away from them. This is primarily a responsibility before God. God will hold fathers strictly accountable for the failure to exercise this authority in faith and charity. Also, remember that the word subordination is not a dirty word, although it may seem like one in American pop culture, but it is directly linked to the virtue of humility, which is the foundation of all virtue, without which no familiar relationship can come to the kind of spiritual fruition willed by God. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was subject to his parents. He was subordinate to St. Joseph and to our Blessed Mother in the family home of Nazareth if such a familiar subordination was good enough for god then it must be good enough for us to exercise in charity and humility he says husbands the apostle says to you to love your wives as christ loves his church how does jesus love his church he died for her now chances are you are never going to be called to literally die for your wife chances are you are never going to have to jump on the top of a hand grenade to save her instead dying for your wives will often mean nothing more than dying to yourself dying to be stuck in your own ways, dying to your selfishness, dying to your pride, your critical spirit, your anger, your bitterness and resentment toward her, dying to the caustic criticism, the insults, the lack of kindness, and the lack of consideration. It means becoming the holy man that she needs you to be, and the man that God has called you to be. That is what it means to die for her. Oh, but we continue to say, Alleluia. Hallelujah. God bless Father William Casey, and God bless Father Chad Ripperger, who constantly refers to the curse of Eve and the curse of Adam. The curse of Eve being the desire to control, to be the boss, to dominate, to wear the pants. The curse of Adam, to wear the skirt, shirking the responsibility, not being accountable, not dying for one's wife. These are the two curses that came in consequence to original sin, ladies and gentlemen, and they haven't gone away. And we're struggling in every era, in every civilization, to try to get it right. And rest assured, when civilizations, and they do, rise and fall, well, the fall has everything to do with the upside-down nature of the sex roles. It's a simple equation. God designed Let the men be men, and the women be women. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM, trying to get it right every week for all the family. God bless. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727, Tim Kilcoin TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.